beacon. Uh-huh. Teddy. Teddy, why would a lighthouse want your sister to die? We're gonna go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. Welcome to Straight Travelies. I am Paul. And hey guys, it's Terry here. And I hope you enjoyed our conversation about opening day. Um, and and I hope that, um, you know, you just got that music out of your head. I hope we never have to hear that music ever again from that segment. Well, fingers crossed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I'm like, why is all this fog in here? Oh no, it's happening again. No. So uh, yeah, welcome to Straight Highways. This is the show in which we do watch The Twilight Zone. Uh, in other anthology series, we've been watching the Twilight Zone in order uh, from the original 60 series. And when I always say in order, because then we jump ahead to the Paramount Plus stuff, but then then we go back in time. Now we're covering the 80s uh, series iteration segment by segment. But before we get into this segment, which is season one, episode 11, segment A, The Beacon, um, a little bit of um, a promotion here. Uh, Terry and I were so graciously asked uh, to go on uh, El Goro's Talk Without Rhythm podcast, and his podcast is amazing. He, uh, you know, we're we're just fumbling around in the dark. He's he's always you know like it's like I, I don't know. It's like when you watch like um like somebody just like rip off a home run, you're like anybody can do that, and then you just like completely smack yourself in the face with a baseball bat. That's how I feel sometimes about what we do versus like you know what he's capable of doing. So anytime he's allowing us, you know, near, near his, his glory. I, I, I'm always, I'm always grateful and he, he's a good friend and it's always fun, but it's always, it's always not intimidating, but you know, it gets a little in depth there. Yeah. He's a very intelligent dude and very insightful and knows film very, very well. So it is kind of like, it feels a little intimidating when you go on a show. Cause, uh, my experience, um, was the first that I have ever been on there. Um, and hopefully, uh, fingers crossed, uh, I didn't muck it up too much that I'll be able to be invited back on. So, but you guys can be the judge of that. Check out that episode where we talk about prey It is really cool. And it's a great conversation that we had. Yeah. Like, like you were worried that you went back into like the talk without rhythm locker room and there was like that red envelope in your locker so that they just even <laughs> tell you that you got cut and you're like, Oh, okay. I guess I got to get out of here now. No. Um, yeah. We talked about uh, the, the Hulu uh, original, I guess Hulu original. It was from 20th century studios, Prey 2022, Dan Trachtenberg. It is um, the, the newest, a predator film. It is awesome. If you guys have Hulu, I'd recommend it highly. Also the conversation that we were on is um, it's on um, El Goro's uh, talk of the rhythm, Patreon. However, uh, his Patreon, you know, with Patreons, you support artists, you know, and, and I, as I do, but this one's free. So if you go to his actual page, uh, talk without rhythm or his blog spot, uh, you can find this and listen to it. It's about two hours. It's, it's me, Terry El Goro and, uh, a friend of the show and my other co-host on invasion of the podcast, Steve, as we talk about the movie and we have a lot of fun and, um, yeah, I just, I, it was a good time. Thanks to him for letting us come on. And I was really excited to talk about that movie. 
Oh, hell yeah. And now it was, uh, it was a conversation definitely worth having. Um, if you guys haven't checked that movie out yet, uh, please do so. There's a reason there's buzz about it. So please check it out. Yeah. So there we go. Uh, we, we brought our, we, we moved our wares to somewhere else. And now we're back here talking about, uh, like I said, uh, the eighties twilight zone, uh, season one, episode 11, segment a, the beacon, uh, it premiered on December 6th, 1985, number one film. Um, another one that's worthy of a two hour conversation, death wish three, um, almost the same movie as prey. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but there were some homemade, um, uh, like weapons in that movie. So maybe, I don't know. Like, um, <laughs> I was, Charles Bronson would, would be too lazy to actually have an axe that with the rope to it. He would just throw it and be like, I'm done with this and grab a gun. We know that's what would happen. Uh, wasn't this episode, uh, uh, released, uh, in December. Yeah. I said that. So December 6th, right? Did I say that? I thought I yeah, said December you said 6th. Death, uh, Death Wish three was in November. Okay. But okay. So I look, maybe I had my information wrong, which would be a, you know, not a first, uh, there's, there's a questionable site that steals my data. Probably. I, I probably owe a, a many, many, um, many dollars overseas. It's like, I just type in like number one film. I put it, says on your birthday and I always put in the air date. Um, and so I don't know if this is like, it, it's usually pretty on the money, but it said December huh. 6th. Yeah, I mean, maybe, um, maybe perhaps, uh, Wikipedia has it wrong. I mean, you know, it, it does that sometimes, but yeah. I thought it was Rocky four still. I, Oh, you know what? You're right. It is Rocky Four. Why did I? Okay, my. You know what? Let me move this to, to, to uh, November, November sixth. Oh, you know what? I put in the wrong month. So barrel. All right. So Rocky Four, another movie um, that is very much like Prey, right? So you have a smaller, a smaller person versus a much larger person, right? <laughs> like there you go. Um, and also, you know, it, it could. You also had Apollo Apollo Creed dying in that, much like in Predator. So there you go. That's a connection there. But no, I love Rocky Four. I think we've talked about that previously. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I, if we wanted to, we could probably go for a two-hour conversation about Rocky Four on here. But we'll yeah. save that for another conversation. So, so Mia Culpa wasn't Death Wish Three, which you guys should check out. It's ridiculous. And but Rocky Four is awesome. You should check it out and check out Prey. So there we go. Number one song. Maybe I got this right. Who knows? Um, <laughs> it was uh, California Dreaming. I'm kidding. That's not the right song at all. No, it's a uh, Separate Lives by Phil Collins and Marilyn. Martin, I wanted to say Marilyn Manson. I'm like, that is not right. I cannot imagine a, a duo from the two of them, but I don't, I'm sure if I listened to this, it would sound familiar to me, but it did not ring any bells when I saw the name of the song. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, familiar with that song. So maybe I'm just not that big of a Phil Collins fan. Uh, but this one, yeah, I, I knew, I, I knew you're more of a Marilyn Martin fan, uh, you know, uh, a Marehead. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I have all their vinyl. Yeah. <laughs> the single and that's it. So that, okay. So the other thing I have for day and date that may or may not be correct now. So like, so again, welcome to show everybody where I'm guaranteed to get, you know, many things wrong as over the course of the recording. Uh, the only thing I could find for day and date that was like approachable for us was the day before on December 5th, uh, Frankie Munez was born. So there we go. That's all I got. Oh, woot. <laughs> yeah. I, did, I couldn't find anything. Um, worth uh bringing up so yeah i'm glad you're i'm glad you found something yeah i know <laughs> like i just i feel like i think malcolm in middle is a fun show i just feel bad that uh we find out later in life that he had some kind of like um medical condition that he actually forgot like like he forgot all like the filming of that he does not remember making a single episode of that show oh geez uh, yeah um but i mean he's doing okay now he's actually into some kind of like 
uh, kart racing, like, um, and not like, um, I don't know, he's getting, he's actually getting, becoming a pro racer and he wants to put his time in there and he has the money to do it. So good on him. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I had no idea. That's, that's really wild. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, there you go. Frankie Muniz was born the day before this came out and death wish three was not the number one film. So that's all I have for, uh, for like, that's, you know what the, the statement death wish three was not the number one film would apply to much of history. Actually, now that I think about that, um, but you know, whatever. Anyway, let's get into let's get into who did what here. All right. So I, I, there are a couple of names here that I might have some trouble with, but I'm going to do my best, folks. Um, our director on this is uh, Gerd Oswald. Uh, I think so. I think that's what's, how it's pronounced. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So uh, we have one more uh, segment coming up uh, that we'll talk about in another time uh, that this gentleman directed, and then um, we uh, other notes here is uh, some Star Trek. Uh, Harry Mason and some episodes of the outer limit. Yeah. He did two of the original episodes of star Trek. He did a film from 56 called a kiss before dying, which is a noir that I've heard before. I've heard the name before and I need to get to. Um, so he, you know, he had an established career and this was on the back end and, you know, but the fact that, you know, did some successful TV too, and a lot of outer limits certainly his pedigree to do the twilight zone. All right. All right. And then, um, our writer credits. Uh, there's two here again. Um, there seems to be quite a bit of writing duels that appear uh, throughout the '80s uh, version of the Twilight Zone. But uh, here we have Martin Pasco uh, does two more segments that we'll talk about in the future. A uh, b- bunch of cartoon wor- uh, work like Mr. T, um, The Tick, and uh, Batman the Animated Series. And then his writing partner on this was Rebecca Parr uh, Kielfi. I think that's right. Or, yeah, I think you're pretty close. I think that's all. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so with those things uh, that she had done with pa- uh, Mr. Pasco, um, she on her own did a bunch of Cheers episodes. Yeah, they were a writing couple. Uh, sorry, not couple. They they were writing partners until 1990 or so. Uh, the important thing to mention from Martin Pasco, I looked into this. He broke into um, writing in the comics in the seventies. And the big thing was he was one of those guys that, you know, he had like your letters to the editor. Like you'd always kind of try to get printed, you know, like make mine Marvel or whatever. He, his commentary was a little bit more pointed and a little bit more, you know, there was a little bit of a character to it that, um, he made sure his letters stood out so that when the editors were putting together their, like, you know, the, the letters page in the comics, like if, if things weren't like that, they didn't have a lot of good selections. They were always hoping that Martin would write in cause they knew he was always pretty good for his commentary. So that actually landed him like like in the um, the purview of like of like DC or whatever like the like the powers that be. So he ended up having writing a couple like you know uh, stories there and worked a lot for DC, uh, and actually wrote one of the like Doctor Fate stories that actually brought a modern update to that character. That we're going to see Doctor Fate in the new Black Adam movie. So that's kind of cool. He didn't create Doctor Fate, but he kind of helped ushered him into like you know more of a modern setting. But the other, so the big connection here though, is that uh, he helped Alan Brenner uh, enter the comics industry uh, by having Brenner co-write Star Trek number 12 in March of 81. So with Brenner being one of the, like the like producers on the show, one hand washes the other, right? That's cool. And then, um, so yeah, so that, that was the connection here. And then with, uh, with Rebecca Parr, uh, Kiafi or Siofi, um, yeah, like you said, like she went on to write for cheers and was story editor for other sitcoms. Like, you know, they both had a very successful career after this, but it was just that interesting DNA of like, Oh, I helped you get you into comics and you're going to get me writing some of your shows for like for TV. You know, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. 
And then uh, our cast, we got um, to lead us off here. Uh, the, now, the notes that I found on IMDb are a little wonky. So There's I one that's relied, weird. Uh, yeah. There's one that's really weird, and I'm not sure how I feel about it because it's confusing. But yeah. Yeah, I relied a little bit more heavily on the Wikipedia stuff that I found. But um, leading us here is uh, Charles Martin Smith plays uh, Dr. Dennis Burrows. Uh, he was in American Graffiti, uh, Starman, which you just recently covered on your other podcast. And then uh, one of my personal favorites of the 80s, uh, Trick or Treat. Yeah, he directed that. I didn't know that, which I mean, I'll, I'll, here's my admission is that I, I've never seen Trick or Treat. And I know I need to. Um, and he also directed Airbud. <laughs> and like, he's a very, a very good career, right? And he also directed the pilot episode for Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Excellent. Yeah, real cool. But and then, like, uh, next here, yeah, I was, uh, was going to say, I'm sorry, I'm cutting you off. I apologize. It's just whenever I see him, I, I think of um, it's just he has a very recognizable character actor face. Like he's just one of those guys. You're like, I know him, right? So like, it's just you know, like watching when we covered Starman was it, uh, the one invasion of the podcast. It's like, it's like he has that like just like I know this guy, not just because of Starman. It's like I think I've seen him in plenty of things, and maybe I haven't, but um, as a lead, you know, like you don't know, like I don't know who you would if there was like someone of like this kind of, you know, he doesn't have, you know, like he's, he's not like, you know, the most handsome guy, but he has, he has a look at, and a, kind of a charm about him, you know? So that's, that's, that's what I want to say. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, but, uh, yeah, next here we have, uh, somebody who's returning from, from the past, uh, Mr. Martin Landau. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in two of the, uh, uh, original series episodes, which we'll talk about in a second here, but, he plays William Cooper James in this. Um, but yeah, the two episodes that he was in in the original series, uh, Mr. Denton on, Doos- on Doomsday and The Jeopardy Room. So, and he, the, I, I know we've talked about him not that long ago, but the, the only other credit I wanted to bring up here, and I don't think I did on our prior discussion, but uh, he, was, he did a voice in, you ever seen the movie Nine? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was the voice of uh, number two in the movie, so very important character to the movie. Yeah, Nine's a cool, a cool animated film with all the little uh, sack men, you know. Like, uh, yeah, that's a cool movie. Yeah, very cool. Um, yeah, very prestigious career, but uh, it's good to see him come back and uh, kind of, you know, incorporate uh, his his varying skills of acting into this uh, this episode. So it's really cool to see him come back. Yeah, and just uh, I just want to mention North by Northwest. He's such a good like he's not a big character in that, but he's awesome in that. And then also uh, one of my personal favorite films. It just I always comes and goes and like in my like top whatever is Rounders. Like I I like um, I also like that he's not afraid to um, like do uh, genre work. Like he had um, he was in the first X Files movie too. Like he he wasn't he didn't turn down a role. You know like and he always brought his professionalism to it. He, even in this, it, you know as as. <laughs> As kind of, I don't know. This the script just kind of ends. He does. He does bring kind of a, um, like an interesting gravity to William Cooper James. Yeah, yeah, and then we'll get into that in a minute. But uh, yeah, so the next uh, actor I wanted to bring up here is uh, Giovanni Ribisi. Ribisi, yeah, Ribisi. Okay, uh, plays little Teddy in this. Um, he was in Avatar, Gone in sixty seconds, and Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, and uh, Ted. 
and Ted too, I think. I've not seen Ted too. Uh, he was also Boiler Room. Um, yeah, like again, uh, he had um, uh, he had a a few episodes of Friends he was in, um, and the X Files. Uh, just speaking of that, and and Married with Children. So another one of those guys that's very recognizable. I know when you and I were talking last week, you're like, I don't know who this guy is. If you, I don't know if you like took a look at him, like you would recognize him if you saw him. Yeah, I, I, seeing his picture, I, I, can, I can definitely say that I've seen something with him <laughs> in it. <laughs> I mean, you know, the, the, the movies that I just listed, you know, Gone in 60 Seconds and uh, Saving Private Ryan, I've definitely seen those films. But it's like to pinpoint who he is in the film, I can't really quite do that right now. But yeah, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure I know who he is and I'm sure we'll see uh, more from him because he, he's still a younger actor. So, well, that and yeah. he's in all, like, he's at least slated for like all the Avatar sequels. So we're not done with him yet. So here we go. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So, uh, Sherelle, uh, if my pronouncing is correct, Sherelle. I think it's Cheryl. Yeah. Cheryl. Um, um, it's Sh- Cheryl Anderson. Uh, she plays Marianne in this. Um, maybe some people might recognize her from Turner and Hooch. Uh, and she was also in the remake of The Stepfather. Oh, okay. Yeah. So her, the, the credits for IMDb and Wikipedia got weird with her. Like, so I wasn't entirely mm-hmm. sure. Cause it listed her as like talents person and it just got odd. And I was just trying to figure out like who she was. So I'm glad that, um, cause there's another person listed as talents person and it's not her at all. It just, it's a weird. Right. Crediting. Yeah. So, yeah. So I didn't get a chance to really dig into a whole lot of her. Cause I was kind of confused if I was like looking up the right person or not, but thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, no problem. I'm, I'm like, I almost overlooked it at first. I'm like, well, wait, where is the little girl, which we're about to talk in, uh, about here in a second. Mm-hmm. But uh, our next uh, credit here is uh, Scott Lincoln. Uh, he plays Trooper. Uh, he was in an episode of Tales from the Dark Side and uh, at least one episode of Star Trek Voyager. And so. not seen in this episode. <laughs> I don't know if you yeah. saw. Well, I, I mean, know, I like, yeah, I, I don't know where the trooper was. <laughs> yeah, and I almost went back. So we'll get into this now. The like the beginning of this episode on the DVD is it's it doesn't start at the very beginning, and there's a sequence that starts at the beginning that the trooper's part of, uh, which isn't unusual to have cuts to Twilight Zone episodes. I think um, there was uh, the Midnight Sun um, in the original series. There was a policeman that was referenced, but you never saw him. <laughs> like, but there's cuts of that episode that that have played for like audiences that like, you know, in like private screenings that have that sequence still in there. So mm-hmm. I'm going to guess, and here I'm being lazy. So I apologize to everybody. Clearly I thought it was November instead of December in my notes. I'm a mess. I, w- I should have looked this up on YouTube to see if like that whole sequence was there or not, but I didn't cause I just didn't know how much it would really add to anything, but at least he got credit. Cause I mean, it's not his fault that it got cut on the DVD. Yeah, I ended up watching uh, this on YouTube, and there wasn't a scene with a trooper in it. So okay. I don't, I don't know what ended up happening. But either way, um, our next credit here is uh, Haley Taylor. Uh, she plays Katie, and uh, the only notable thing uh, I I could really find was uh, she was in Poltergeist Two. And I don't know if you had any extra notes for uh, Miss Taylor. No, that's it. That was because again, I was trying to parse out who's who. And I was like, I was like, Oh, I think her credits are a little different. It's like, I don't think she's like, like, I don't think the mother was a little girl in Poltergeist too. And I'm like, wait a second. I figured it out. It was like one of those like Da Vinci code moments of like, this is not the same person, you know? So, and then, uh, uh, yeah. And then, uh, Robert McCord as the spirit of Seth, 
No. Yeah, Robert McCord as a lighthouse. That's what he yeah. got. Uh, no, what was it? Robert McCord as I think a jar of mayonnaise that uh, uh what was it? Dennis was looking at in the shop there. I think it said mayonnaise on it. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, what last thing I want to mention? I actually made it a point to go back and add to my notes is that as much as we were punching down on the score last week by Craig Safin. Uh, that we did not like at all for opening day. The music in this, we'll talk about the segment overall. The music of this felt like Twilight Zone, finally. You know, like it was really good for what it was, right? It, it was like, it was ominous and it, it felt like this kind of scoring could have fit in the original series. This was written by a gentleman named Morton Stevens. He has a weird connection to the Twilight Zone because he has a credit in Twilight Zone, the movie, but not for what you think. He created the theme to Hawaii Five O. And uh, oh, so the beginning of the movie, whenever you have uh, Dan Aykroyd and um, shit, what's his name? The other guy, the other, the other famous comedian, and they're doing the TV theme songs, like the beginning of the movie, like, you know, um, yeah. Like since they do the Hawaii five Oh theme, he gets credit in the movie for it. <laughs> that's funny. Albert Brooks. Huh. That's the other guy. Yeah. So yeah, that's funny. Right. Cause you're like, you're like, wait, wait, why does this guy get all these credits? Because like, it's such a recognizable theme. Right. And like, yeah, I mean, like if I made up a theme and it was everywhere, pay me, you know, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Even if it is somebody just going, bah, 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 bah. we got to pay the estate of Morton Stevens. Now you don't want you. I don't know. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, I thought like, I like I don't know, like maybe, maybe the music was like, like good enough that you didn't think about it versus being so like, you know, in your head, like the last segment, but I was actually, I was like, Oh, this actually feels right. You know, so I wanted to give credit where credit was due. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that too. The music was quite a bit better in this. Uh, yeah. it, it, not even like a, to the point where it's like where we could only say like it was tolerable. No, it was a lot better than the yeah. last episode. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it was just like, uh, it's like that, like you're in the desert and you're just like, please, I'll just, I'll just take a couple drops of water. You're like, thank you. I, I've been, I, you know, this at least gets me through to the next thing. Thank you. You know, thank you, sir. Thank you, Mr. Morton Stevens. Um, so yeah, that, that's our cast and crew. Um, let's just, uh, Mr. Uh, Aidman take it away here for the beacon. They say every road goes somewhere, but that isn't so. Roads are just there. It is we who do the moving. They stop where we stop, not caring whether we follow them to our chosen destination or into the twilight zone. I still have my doubts that, that um, I, I'm going to trust any Aidman intro ever again. You know, Dude, this one, I was like, what the hell is he even talking about? Like, <laughs> Like I, I almost wish that they would have leaned in and made it just like weirder and weirder. Like something like, um, like Jack Handy's deep thoughts or whatever from like SNL where you're like, yeah, what, you know, like I would almost appreciate that. Or like you would hear him putting down a ham sandwich before he started giving his line reading. You're like, Oh, Hey Charles, what are you doing? Nothing. Just, Hey, just riff on some roads for a second. You know, like just dear Lord. Um, I don't, and the thing is like, I don't, I'm not blaming him, but somebody's responsible for this, you know, like, yeah, it, there's this weird sense of trying to be poetic in a lot of these, uh, narrations in that. And it's like, what, what are we talking about though? Yeah. Like, I just, really <laughs> like Serling, Serling had a way of like having like a very, um, his, his prose, right. was very distinct. Right. Mm -hmm. But he's like, you know, and he also had a way of delivering, but he also, he had a way of storytelling. And I'm not saying every one of his intros are great either. Cause he had some stinkers as well, but I don't think there is like, um, you know, uh, 
like, oh, it's open mic night at for a poetry club at that coffee shop that no one wants to hear the poetry, but they happen to be here because they wanted a coffee and a scone. You yeah, know? all the like, beatniks are yeah, there. It's for, like, <laughs> like, like what was it? Eggman. Roads go wherever, but not really, man. Snap, 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 snap. You go as far as you want to go. I don't know. Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, this kick us off here with uh, Terry. Where are we out here with the beacon? Okay, so we get uh, our main character uh, played uh, by Charles Martin Smith, uh, Doctor Dennis Barrows. Um, he's driving like uh, I guess it's a Volkswagen Rabbit, and he is kind of in a like a mountainous kind of area, desert kind of looking area, and his car breaks down. So. He's got to abandon yeah. his car. It doesn't even just break down. It's like, it's running rough and he stops the car, gets out, opens the hood and you see of all this like steam coming out. And so he's like, oh man, I can't fix this. I guess I just better close the hood and drive three more feet. And then the car just stops again. Like what? Yeah. yeah it's like, did he watch duel? Did he not learn anything about when your yeah. car's overheating? You know, and his inconsiderate ass hat just left his car right in the middle of the road too. <laughs> like, so, like yeah. I would have been so pissed if I just came up on this car just sitting there. Yeah. Like, dude, just push it off to the side then. So Come on. I have neutral. I, now that you called out a Volkswagen Rabbit, which it is, I, I have a quick story here. I hope everybody appreciates this. That uh, my my father uh, attempted to have like a, like a small used car lot at one point when I was growing up, and we had two. Uh, two uh, Volkswagen rabbits. One was red and one was yellow. And mm. uh, someone came and bought like one of them. I forget which color first. And then about like, what was a little time later, like, you know, a couple of weeks or a couple months later, they came back to buy the other one. And, and my mom who was helping, she was like, Oh, like, was there something wrong with the car? They're like, no, we loved it. It's just that there was a flood by our house and it floated away. So I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> So they came and got the other rabbit, you know, like, so, I mean, fair enough, you know, like they like the car, just not the heaviest vehicle. Wow. That's a, that's a problem that I hope to never have. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's like, geez. where did I put the car? I was like, oh no, there's a puddle outside. Bye. You know, like whatever, you know? So, um, so yeah, just the way he just leaves that car there. Yeah. Um, he could have benefited from a, this car floating around. So, <laughs> I mean, the, the <laughs> car the car's small enough. He probably could have just carried it up to the town, you know, it'd been fine. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. But, um, so yeah, he, he goes and walks a little bit of a distance with a couple of his bags and he, he, he happens upon like some gate gated area. And, um, it says the sign says clearly no solicitors, uh, uh, no trespassing past this point and all that do not enter basically. So he's like, well, what's the most logical thing I could do right now, but to cross over anyways. So, all right, we don't know, like we're, what, what's going on over here? You know, like there might be some dude who's trigger happy and trying to protect his land. Is that really the place you want to be crossing over to somebody's place? It, it says yeah. clearly don't enter so I don't know. my question to you is like from the way this was like shown on this like winding dirt road that wherever he was going right and he and he's walking forward and, and there's no indication that there's like a fork in the road at all mm-hmm. like so he sees this no trespassing and he just like he's like oh well with purpose I'm going to put my bags on the one side and come through the, the barbed wire it's like I assumed that this was his destination you know like I, I thought so too yeah but then I was also thinking it might have just been like one of those scenarios like in uh Rocky Horror Picture Show where they're they're stranded and this is the closest place. So let's go see if they have a phone. Well, that's fair. Yeah, that's true. It's just it just seems weird to me. It's like 
I mean, I've been lost before, but I've never been like, you know what? Like, I know where shelter is going to be completely up this Rocky mountain pass with my shitty car. Let's just hope for the best. Let's just keep going. Yeah. See what happens. And it's so, and he walks a little bit of a distance and he comes upon a little town that's, uh, on the, uh, beside a, uh, a lighthouse, which I need to point out, this is the shittiest look <laughs> like the, the like what they did where they yeah. kind of, um, it was a matte but, painting with him. Like the, it was the way they, they kind of keyed him in. It did not look good at all. It looked like, like, um, you know, there, cause there's ways I, I'm, I'm cutting off. I apologize. There's ways to do matte paintings and have characters like not re- react to them, but put them in the shot that works well. This just looks like it was like, um, I don't know, like it would be like us making it as a high school project. Like it wasn't good. Yeah. I I mean, I've seen worse, but I've seen way better too. You know, like the movie, the thing <laughs> they have great matte paintings and done in that film and they're able to use them. Uh, clearly a lot better than this was like, done. Like, so. hello, I'm in Delaware. No, just, um, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's just referencing Wayne's world. The fun, yeah. But it's like, that's, it was just bad. It's like, it almost like if you couldn't pull it off, um, and if you want to talk about even like pretty good matte paintings, like go back to like, uh, like some Hitchcock stuff too. some of that, like even in the birds, I mean, some of the bird effects now don't look great, but like the way they did some of the matte paintings, that's amazing. But again, that's a higher production value. I get that's, that, I, but I that, believe that's the same artist as well that did the thing and did that. Oh, yeah, no, no, you're right. That's correct. Um, I forget the gentleman's name now, but like there's ways of doing it. But my thing is like, if you can't, if you can't have Dennis in the shot, then like have him look in the distance and then cut to it and then have it cut back to him. And you, you can have, you can do this match action of him seeing this as we're seeing it. And if it was just the map paying by itself, I think it would have played a lot better. Yeah. Cause him like static over the top of it, it just looks ridiculous. Um, thank you for yeah, calling it out way. because I was going to be like, that's one of the worst map painting. And maybe there's something that we're not saying technical wise, but just because you and I can't, get the vocabulary correctly it doesn't it doesn't pass the visual test right so i think that's worthy of note yeah so then um so we get uh dennis he walks into the town and he goes up to one of the doorways and uh he is greeted by martin landau's character uh william cooper james and (laughs) i like i like his reply immediately is like Hey, did you happen to see the sign? Like, calls him out immediately. Like, that's the appropriate uh, way to greet somebody who isn't supposed to be there in the first place. Yeah. Like, like you'd almost hear the gun cocking. You're like, you know, <laughs> I suggest you turn right around and keep going, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I like, man, I got to say at the time here, um, uh, 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 sorry, you said his name. Martin Landau looks intimidating here. Like, he... Like, you know, like just, he has that beard and it's like, he looks like, uh, him and Richard Mall from like night court would like, just like go and wreck a house or something. Like they would, they like, they're very like, he cuts a figure, you know? Yeah. He's a pretty tall dude too. Yeah. I didn't realize how tall he was, but yeah, he's towering above, uh, uh, Charles Martin Smith, but yeah, he's pretty grizzled. Uh, he looks like he belongs in an old town. So, but, um, yeah, he, so, uh, Dennis explains what happens with, with his car and that, and he wants to use his phone. Well, apparently within this town, there isn't any phones because everybody's close enough. You can just shout and they can all hear you. And, um, he's like, well, it's kind of cold out here. Is it cool if I just like come inside and, uh, you know, warm up and whatever. 
And after a little bit of hesitation, uh, William lets Dennis into his shop and they warm themselves by the heater. And that's when he also, uh, Dennis asks if there's maybe like a mechanic close by. And apparently there isn't any cars in this little town either. And so he replies that there's a, there's a mechanic shop about 50, 60 miles away. And of course, Dennis tells him that's a no go. It's not going to happen. He's like, you can't get here from, or you can't get there from here or whatever he says. He doesn't say that, but I just want to point out for the small town of like not having cars, not having phones. And then you see this, like, um, what was it that, um, oh, that pot belly stove or whatever is, I forget what they call that. Right. They seem to have electricity. That's, I don't like, I'm like, I know I'm nitpicking. I'm kind of confused about like one of the modern conveniences and how like, you know, they are this, it's, it's a literal gated community. Right. And they're off the grid, and we're going to find out. I'm like, you seem to have some modern conveniences for, you know, for as, uh, as, um, uh, how do you want to call it? Like, um, not backwards, because I don't think that's correct, but as standoffish as you are in terms of like the encroachment of everybody else coming onto your land. That's fair. It's like, it's not Amish, but it's like Amish adjacent. Like, they don't <laughs> want to do the whole Meta Knight thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, I mean, uh, that's when we see little uh, Teddy come through the door and uh, Teddy apparently has a, a sick sister and she, he needs some uh, aspirin for and her. Apparently he's the, like the youngest old like kid with an old man wig on or whatever his hair was doing. Like that, uh... <laughs> Dude, I was like, what is up with this hair? <laughs> like I looked at it. It's like, it's like, I just wanted him to be like, Oh, he took that off of uh I, I don't know. I just like, there was like that old person on the set or something that's had in the prop department. They're like, yeah, we're going to put that on his head right now. It's like, it's like um, they took one of the Oompa Loompa wigs. Yeah. Right. I was going to say they took like a Mark Twain wig and like, here you go. Boop. You know, there you go. Uh, but yeah, I also like that somehow um, William uh, Cooper James, uh, ha- he's like basically like an apothecary, right? He has like all these jars or it's like, it, it'd be like now if you walk into like um, Yankee Candle, Mm-hmm. Like, right. Cause the way all the jars are the same and it's like, he can't really see everything written on it, but you know, he's helping, helping Teddy cause his sister's sick. And, and that's whenever, um, you know, uh, Dennis was like, well, I could help. I'm a doctor. And, 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 and he's like, what's a doctor. And that riles up, uh, William Cooper James, but he ends up giving, you know, the kid a bunch of aspirin, but that's whenever Dennis is holding that jar. I swear to Christ that label says mayonnaise on it. I swear it does. Like I, you know, like I'm probably wrong. But it looked like, I'm like, why is there just like this, this jar of like, like, sorry, um, handmade mayonnaise sitting on that. That sounds terrible. I don't understand why it's sitting on that counter. <laughs> well, I, it, it seems like Dennis is actually pretty confused by it as well. So, I mean, he's probably like, wait a minute. This is supposed to be refrigerated. What the hell is it being sitting out here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it hasn't been opened yet. So you can just like, you know, like, no, I just, I, uh, but it's like, they're pretty well stocked and it's just, it just feels like, uh. You know, William Cooper James, like, it's just, uh, he's the, you kind of, you kind of get the notion that like, he may not be the town leader, but a lot of, a lot of the business of the town comes through his shop. Right. So you kind of get that notion. Yeah. It's kind of like the, the general store for this little, little town. But, uh, so, uh, that's when Dennis says that, you know, is there a hotel nearby? I'm just going to shack up for the night and see if I can, well, actually, that's when um, William Cooper uh, James uh, says that, you know, I used to have a tractor. Maybe I can take a look at it tomorrow. So Dennis is going to have to be held up for the night somewhere. And that's when uh, little Tim or Teddy says, hey, we have an extra room that you could stay in. 
And again, here's this look of hesitation on William Cooper Jane's face of like, oh, well, this isn't supposed to happen either. But he uh, he confirms, all right, go ahead and tell your mother that I said it's okay that this dude stays at your place. Yeah, and like it's like okay, well that's what's what's going to happen. And that's when we get uh, Dennis, uh, you know, going over to the house and knocking on the door. And uh, what what was the the lady's name again? I have her as townsperson. I know you have her name, Marianne. Her, Marianne, and she's like, and he's like, oh, I, I, I'm Dennis. I'm, I hope you've know, been told about me. And she's like, uh, basically, she's like, I don't trust strangers around my kids. And I like that he was like, yeah, I don't want to be places where I'm not wanted either. <laughs> Like, fair enough, you know, like, like, but it's also like, I'm cold and I'm, I left, I, I left my shitty car down the hill. Like, what are we going to do about it? Yeah. Right. Uh, blocking all of traffic that's coming around <laughs> I, the bend. I just want to believe there's like one horse drawn carriage. That's just like, ah, like there's the one guy just <laughs> mad about it, you know, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. bringing one, all the one, ice up the hill to the town. No. Um, but yeah, then she also meant, he mentions he's a doctor and she's like, no, 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 my daughter will be okay. Like, so, but yeah, <laughs> I, I love, I would love it to cut back or cut back to the trooper, giving him a ticket and just like for leaving yeah. the car. That'd have been amazing. I'm starting to think now that they're Scientologists and that, <laughs> uh, you know, they don't believe in modern medicine. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, the, it's just, well, the fact that he was giving, he was giving aspirin, right? I think there is, I think that there is a certain amount of that. Um, that there is a belief in this. However, what we're going to get into their belief system, it supersedes even like the things they know, you know? So, um, but, but the fact that like the daughter is, is not feeling well and we, you know, you got to kind of leave it up to like, um, you know, God's will a little bit that, you know, that that's never happened again in this day and age. So I'm glad that we've moved on since then. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so, we're also finding out that uh, Teddy is a little too loose-lipped um, for the townsfolk's <laughs> own good. Yes. And we, Teddy is pretty much the narrator for the rest of what's going on throughout this, um, giving uh, Dennis a lot more information than maybe anybody wants him to know. And that's when we find out um, the, like... <sighs> what it how i think it goes that we see we actually see that the beacon gets lit on the on the lighthouse and it starts panning around the town and then it suddenly stops on the house that they are all occupying dennis uh, and uh, marianne and teddy and and the little girl katie and this is a bad omen everybody starts freaking out because of this light shining around and when it finally falls upon the house marianne drops all of her dishes in that mm -hmm. and this is again supposedly some bad uh, bad omen here and that's when teddy explains that this light when it shines upon the house um it means that somebody's supposed to be taken or we not know that yet well i, I can't mean, so, remember the timeline yeah it's a little it's a little weird but so first thing i want to mention that there is the, the sequence of whatever the lighthouse fires off and starts like doing the whole like you know um you know wheel of death of like wherever this light's going right uh it um you know it, it there's these dutch angles that show like the, the and those are always done to make you feel uneasy and it's 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 effective right because everybody in the town is like is it going to be our house is it going to be our house like no whammy no whammy no whammy stop right so right right um and so and they're all kind of looking out the window waiting to see what's going to happen and when it shines on her house i just want to put out i like whatever i did is like looking out the window is like ah, it's a bright light i'm like yeah no shit it's a bright light it's a 
freaking lighthouse shining into your face. But, um, so that's when she, she freaks out. Um, I, Dennis doesn't know yet. Cause Teddy comes to him when Dennis is asleep later saying, Hey, you know, um, he feel Teddy feels guilty because he thinks it's his fault that the, that it has picked his, his sister. And he doesn't say it quite that way yet, but he, he's like, you're a, you can give medicine. Right. So that's when he convinces, um, Dennis to go help her. Right. And then gives her like, she has like a respiratory infection and he helps her out. But then, then that's when Teddy starts seeing like, well, we've upset it. And, and then that's when Dennis is like, what are you talking about? And he's like, why? Like, and that's when Teddy starts going on about like, well, the beacon, you know, it will choose somebody and if, and then whatever that light lands, somebody will die. And if they don't, then there'll be an accident. And that's whatever he was like, why would a lighthouse want to kill people? And I'm like, that's a really good question. That's a really fair question. Yeah. Like this is a, a whole final destination kind of scenario. It's like, if it doesn't take the person that it wanted in the first place, then it's going to take the next in line. Well, the, considering that the function of a lighthouse is to warn any ships like in the area of like, you know, shit in the water, like, you know, reefs and rocks to guide ships in. It's like, wow, this lighthouse is like, you know what? I'm working for myself now. <laughs> like, you know, like just, I'm not here to save anybody. I'm here. Yeah. I, yeah like <laughs> I've, I've saved too many people. Now I got to start taking people out. Yeah. It's like, I've seen the fog. I know what I can do now to mess people up. Uh, so, uh, um, so yeah, so that's like, that, that that's whenever, um, you get Teddy looking out the window and he's like, Oh, it's already begun. And Dennis is like, what are you talking about? He's like, you know, talking about the beacon and, and all this stuff. And you look outside and there's the sequence where you have the townspeople approaching. And at first I thought it was torches and it's all lanterns, which is kind of creepier to me. You know, like torches feel like an impulse. Lanterns feel planned. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just like, they're all, they're already, they already had their, their, um, their, you know, Matt, like they already had their murder lanterns ready to go. Like they were, they were good to go and see what's going to happen. Yeah. And it kind of aligns with the idea of the the lighthouse too. I, I, I thought that was a pretty good that's choice. Cool. You're right. That's a good call. Uh, but then that's whenever, um, you know, Dennis is like, well, like, well, who runs a lighthouse? And that's when Teddy's like, Seth, and he's like, take me to the lighthouse. And Teddy's like, no, yeah, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and so they, they, they beat feet to the lighthouse. And that's when the mom comes in, uh, with, uh, William Cooper James. Right. And they figure out that the, the, the girl's going to live, but Teddy and Dennis are gone. And that's whenever uh, William Cooper James, uh, there was the whole bit too, where he says something to her about like, she's like, thank you for coming over. He's like, well, that's what can do something the way that was, stuff was creepy. And then, you know, after knowing what we know, yeah, it makes me really wonder what's going on with everybody in this town. Yeah, right. And how yeah. far removed we are yet from uh, it becoming uh, the hills have eyes. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah. So, uh, and I also think it is very interesting that the the fact that the little girl is now on the, on the road to recovery, and then the mother's look on her face is like, now it's going to be the other kid that dies, like son of a bitch, you know, like I wanted this one to die. Well, um, I, I, I don't know if it's, I mean th that, you know, I didn't think about it that way and you, you might be right. I think it was more like, since she knows the history of the town and what happens when the chosen lives, I think there was more that dread of like, what's the town going to do to us now that the chosen has survived? You know, I think that's, that's where the panic fair. was. Um, yeah. Or wrong kid died or whatever. Anyway. So, uh, um, anyway, so yeah, they, they, that's when we get to the, so the, the, this lighthouse set, like it's outside the lighthouse. It's like, you know, it's, you can tell it's a soundstage and that's like, you know, that's all fine versus like last segment. We talked about how that duck pond was terrible. This kind of works. And also the sound, um, work here, how we have that constant, um, 
of the ocean and like the coastal like breeze coming in and out. Like it really, really worked for me in terms of at least a visual setup for this. Yeah, I mean, you know, after uh, the, the one really terrible shot, oh, like yeah, it, they righted they righted the ship. Yeah. So, but yeah, we get uh, we get Dennis and Teddy at the lighthouse, and uh, Dennis is trying to get into the lighthouse uh, like door, and he can't seem to get past that. And that's when Teddy finally lets him know, like, well, yeah, he's he's uh, Seth has been running this thing for a very very long time. He's like, wait, is he dead? So, no, it's like, well, he's not dead, but he's not like alive like you and me, but he's very much alive. And it's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so the spirit supposedly of Seth, who started this this town, is the one that is running the light, and this the light, the beacon, is it, it chooses who is supposed to t- take you know take the the next fall. And and then we finally see Dennis, uh, uh, I'm sorry, William Cooper James uh, come up and explain even more of this information to Dennis about how the, t- the town was started and that they're all descendants of Seth. And they hang basically on all the actions of Seth and he could do no wrong. Like the like the old man in the mountain episode that we had. Oh, yeah. The old, like, man, old man in the cave. Yeah, it was like old man I, in the cave. It's like, yeah blind allegiance it's like you don't have to see him but we know that his will is strong and he's here to guide us and protect us yeah and so that like we get that as um as uh, william cooper james is, is talking we end up seeing in the background the people with the lanterns approaching the area of the lighthouse and dennis is putting it together he's like oh my gosh basically he's, he accuses me oh there's been a lot of um <clears throat> interfamily relationships going on here and, um, this is all weird. And he goes, and you're just like arbitrarily letting this, the, this, this thing, this lighthouse that could fire off whenever it wants to make your decisions. And so then that's whatever, uh, we get, uh, William Cooper James being like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, basically he's like, you just basically like shut your goddamn mouth. <laughs> and so the way Martin Landau plays this is so like, basically like you're, you're, you know, you're treading dangerously, you know, here. And he explains to him, he's like, I go up once a year to check the mechanism and make sure it's working correctly. And then Dennis is like, but who's to say it's not like actually working correctly. And so, but they mentioned that, um, since this has been going on, that when the light picks, whoever picks, if they don't, if they don't succumb or become like, you know, basically the sacrifice, the town gives up, then, then, um, bad things happen and they can't, they don't have a very prosperous, whatever. Right. So they mentioned the one time somebody survived town didn't do so well. And it's also implied too, that the light is picking the weaker of the bloodlines because they're all related, right. Mm-hmm. To kind of weed out like the genetic imperfections. That's, that's the implication I got from this, right? Cause it's like, if they're all relative and it's asking for a sacrifice and it's looking out for the well being, it's taking the weakest, right? That's the, like the implication. And so, um, like, okay, great. Uh, but then as this is happening, uh, like, you know, William Cooper James is like, well, since the girl lived and the beacon's been denied, we, we gotta, you know, we gotta replace that. And Dennis is like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, you're the one upset everything. So yeah, we're gonna, we're, basically I like how like, there's like, he's lighting his pipe. He's like, well, there you go. Like just, we're just gonna, you're, you're done now. Dennis, you should have you should have like tried to fix your car and not been an asshole because we're gonna we're gonna sacrifice you to Seth and keep the beacon running. 
Yeah, I was totally getting like a Wicker Man vibe at oh, this yeah, point. Yeah, you know it's uh you know and uh freaking uh Martin Landau is like the psycho um at the end of the movie like just like yeah this is all right we're we got to make sure that we get our crops um yeah i i actually wrote my notes here (laughs) i wrote my notes here another title for this episode the flicker man that's what i wrote here because uh (laughs) you know because the moment like you know clearly dennis is like out the 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 lighthouse turns off right so we see the the beam die down so the beacon has been satisfied um you know like i'm not like and that's your story right that's the whole thing um i'm sure teddy's gonna get a firm talking to (laughs) You know, later on, and he's just like, you never heard the word doctor. Um, you know, this never happened. And also, one day you'll have regular grown-up hair. You know, that's what they tell him. I don't know. But, um, but yeah, uh, it's like, I, you know, like, I, there's plenty here that I like. I, I just feel like, uh, one, it's never quite clear. If, if, if it's wrong place, wrong time, which is what we get, in, in, you know, ultimately with Dennis, right? But but with, like, if you're going to do, like, kind of a take on the Wicker Man, it's almost like, especially in terms of the bloodlines and the thinning of the everybody, right? It's like it, you kind of wanted to have – you. I would have preferred to have an outside motivation for why he's showing up to almost show that, like, they understand that, like, this is a little bigger process than – because if they just say keep out, like – Sure, but I, I needed a little bit more skin in the game for Dennis for why he's there, other than you know he just just his car broke down. Yeah, I just there right. you could have had a little bit more here, um, and I think you could have you could have um, explored um, the town a little bit more. Like let's say that you know he's there um, for the night, and then they go to check out his car, and it's like oh you know, whatever, something, something's gone. And, you know, we do get deliveries like once, you know, once a month, but it's just good for you to know that that person's coming like tomorrow. And that, and then that's like the next night would be that sequence that we talked about, like to give him a little bit more time to realize that like this town isn't right. You know, like I would have hoped like this could have had a little bit more legs to it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there are, it's an interesting theme to it. Um, obviously since we've made the parallel to um the wicker man it's already been done better uh it, it but it's like there's a if if it was a few things that we could have changed and maybe we would have had a stronger episode i wasn't all too satisfied by this mm-hmm. um it, but it, it was way better than some of our more recent episodes that we've covered yeah, I mean, we could even have a bit where he actually gets up there and breaks down the door and gets up to the top of the lighthouse, and you just saw, you just see like the skeleton of Willem Dafoe or something up there, you know, <laughs> like you know, like something been like, oh, that's Seth's doing, you know, like, and then been like, oh, you like basically like do like the psycho thing, where you know, there's the belief that he's he's overseeing. I it's I don't know, like you could have there could have been a couple different ways you could have sliced this to make this a little bit more compelling. Yeah, for sure. I, I I do think that the uh the right choice was made at least for the ending that they chose where they just turn the beacon off once uh Dennis is dead. So yeah, no, I mean that was Yeah. The, the ending's the right ending for this, right? It's just I think that it's like it's just um like did you ever see that meme of when people were comparing um the Game of Thrones seasons where it was like um the drawing of a horse from left to right. Have you seen that meme where it's like it's this beautiful detailed drawing of a horse for like seasons one and two and it gets more and more detailed and then as you get to like later seasons it gets like less and less defined and ends up becoming like a stick figure horse, like from front to back. It's just I feel like it's one of those things where it's like, Oh, you had a really good idea here, but then this kind of became like a uh, and they kill him. 
Like what? Like, you know, <laughs> you could have, you could have, uh, I don't know. Like you had a little bit more time here. Like, especially for the people that wrote this, like they know how to write short form stories. You know, you could have had more of like the dagger could have struck deeper and harder. Had you just had a little bit more, more nuance in time. Yeah. That, that I, I think you, you nailed it there. And, but with all of that said, this actually, this segment felt way closer to the original series than a lot of the other uh, episodes that we've discussed to this point from the eighties. Oh, for sure. For sure. And, and that's, a, and that's, a, that's not a backhanded compliment to the 80 series. It's just that, um, and I, I appreciate that they're going in their own directions to finding their own stories. And then I'm not saying you have to live in the shadow of the original series, but it does make me wonder like what would have Charles Beaumont at his peak done with something like this, right? Like it would have been, a lot more mean, you know, like, and it, like, I think we need a little bit more mean in this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So I don't so know. I if had, you have, I had sorry, nothing more, nothing more else to, to say. Uh, I had no money. Yeah. No more like uh, notes or anything. Okay. So I don't know if you had anything else. Uh, no, um, I, I got nothing else. So I just, other than I, I, I stepped on the joke of that. This should be called the flicker man. Cause I'm glad that you were calling out uh, the wicker man. Cause this is like, this is like, um, it's like, Oh, you like folk horror? What about like uh sea shanty folk horror or folk horror lights? I don't know. There you go. <laughs> like, like, and we'd find out that the, the, what was his name? Um, William Cooper James would go on to become the old crusty sea captain in the Simpsons. That's what we find out. That's, that's the spoiler yeah. now. Um, so yeah, that's going to do I, it. I think yeah. that they, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. I'd, I'd like to think that they took it. I'd like to think that they re, uh, took this segment, refined the story and then inserted it into toy story, <laughs> you know, cause, uh, <laughs> the claw chooses. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's, a, you know what, how, how did they, how did they actually tell that joke in like 20 seconds? And that was more fulfilling. <laughs> Then this, you know, like, yeah, the claw with the little aliens that chooses, right? I've been chosen. Yeah. I think that's, uh, yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> and that's they a get good ripped apart by, uh, Sid. Sid's dog. Yeah. Sid, uh, <laughs> Seth, the beacon, right? If they would name, if they would have said that the, the beacon master's name Sid, I would believe that this is everything right No, Um, <laughs> right. Um, so no, this, this was, it was okay. It's just that you just kind of, it's one of those ones where it's like, you know, it's not that, not that you always have, I mean, yeah, this was like 20 some minutes. Um, and like, you know, whatever we've had, we've talked some that were six minutes in terms of the series, in terms of the 80s stuff. So you have a really limited amount of time to get everything you want to get across. Sure. But with that being said, I mean, you, there is, we have seen, um, I think like Nightcrawlers was the same runtime, right? And I'm, I know they're different, way different segments, but there is a lot of ways to approach your story and, and, and get a lot packed in. And it's just, I'm going to put this, I'm going to put this in the pile of man. It could have been something. It's not bad, but it could have been something. Yeah. Sometimes I just feel like, especially uh, with some of these segments from the eighties um, that they throw a brick onto the gas pedal and then just let it go off the cliff because yeah. they're like, no, we got to get this done and we don't care what the outcome's going to be but we need to get it finished as quickly as possible. Let's wrap it up, wrap it up, you know? And this is when CBS had confidence in the show. So here's, here, here's wondering what happens in the later seasons. We'll see what happens, but we're going to be, we're going to be there for all of it. So, uh, so yeah, I got other notes for, uh, uh, the beacon. So before we get into what we're doing next, we got to rate that twist. 
twist rating as always it's one through five it doesn't it's not indicative of how we feel about the episode one meaning uh we saw the twist from a mile away and five meaning it's mind-blowing um it, the moment we got into like weird people in a small town i'm like oh this isn't gonna go well i kind of i was kind of at a two with that yeah i'm, I'm gonna go with the two as well right? you know the the whole crossing the barrier that says clearly do not trespass and um you know the 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 beacon you know the there's something there's something about the beacon so whatever that is it's ominous i'm like yeah two it's two (laughs) (laughs) all right before we talk about what we're doing next uh you guys can find us uh on uh strange highways on facebook i'm always trying to post silly things i do have a couple i have some images from this that are you know they're kind of fun uh they're they're like i definitely have an image of that really bad uh matt shot that we talked about go check that out when we get there when we post it uh you guys can email us directly at strange highways podcast gmail.com wherever you find your podcast rate and review us and terry how can people find us otherwise you folks can check us out on instagram we are still there we're waiting for you uh, we were having some fun over there. The again, beacon has like, shined like upon the you. The beacon has shined upon you, and you yeah. must, you must like uh, obey the beacon of Instagram and come to our our uh, Instagram page. I don't know our our gram sites. I don't know what they what, whatever they call it. Our Insta place and check us out. Yeah, check us out on there. Uh, you can leave feedback on there, which we actually did have uh, one of our. Um, very generous uh, listeners reach out on there and uh, give us a compliment. So uh, hold on one second. Let me if I can. Well, I can't, I can't pull up the, the compliment I, right I now. I have but, it. Uh, give me one um, second here. I'll find it because you sent it to me because I'm a bad Instagrammer person. It was from our screenshot of Beelzebits from the Uncle Devil show. And they wrote um, their their um, Instagram name is uh, uh, Tabibi. Um, they said, I started binge listening from episode one, a few weeks back. I feel like my own personal twilight zone episode, tra- traveling back in time to the before times fun trip show so far. So we really, really appreciate that. So, um, I mean, we have plenty of content out there. I hope, I hope you are enjoying it and we appreciate the comments and that, you know, like it's, it's the shared experience, right? It's a shared conversation. This has been a fun journey ups, downs, otherwise, you know, it's, I'm glad that we're all in it together. Yeah, and uh, it's, you know, every so often we do cover cover other material. So if any of you folks have something to recommend as far as uh, uh, shows like Monsters or The Outer Limits or something of like that nature, where it's uh, anthology based, even some movies. I mean, we covered the Twilight Zone movie and Nightmares, uh, Tales from the Dark Side of the movie. Like, give give us those recommendations yeah. because we're we're more than willing to take a brief uh, break from twilight zone and check out something else and get into a really delicious conversation about one of those. Absolutely. And I think we're actually uh, like a few weeks out from hitting the halfway point of the season one. Cause I think it ends with uh, episode 12. So we still have a few more segments to get to the end of episode 12. I think that's correct. I have to go back and check my math. Clearly. I don't even know what month this episode aired in, but we're getting really close. <laughs> Can you believe that Terry? We're almost halfway through um, season one. I, I mean, it feels like we just started it, but like, We've been doing this for a bit, right? It's like, well, actually, I take that back. We started in January. It's now August. <laughs> it still feels like it just flipped right by, though, right? Like it's been, it's been fun, but we're almost halfway through season one. 
yeah and uh yeah I, I can't wait to check out the rest of the episodes but yeah yeah thanks again guys for listening and uh you got anything else my friend no let's just talk about what we're going to do next here and now mr serling next uh episode is going to be uh season one of the 80 series of course we're talking about episode 11 segment b uh it is called um one life furnished in early poverty so that's that's um, a mouthful uh but yeah i don't know what this is it looks like it's gonna be like it was this is one of those um episodes in full episode 11 only has two segments this is the longer of the two so hopefully it benefits from the longer run time we'll see not not familiar with this one but yeah that's what we're gonna do um next time and uh, everybody in the meantime have have a good week have a safe week check our discussion about prey that was a lot of fun and then I'd also in the meantime, I will say, may the beacon pass over you. May the beacon pass over you too, my friend. See the inbreeding.